everyone. To the CapsCorner.com podcast, CapsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, coming to you live from the palatial Franklin Estates in the West End of Richmond, where it is Tuesday, March the 14th. It is Pi Day. Um, it is the day after uh, Virginia's uh, riding high off of an ACC tournament title crashed. Uh, we will talk about the injury to DeAndre Hunter, um, what it means for the Cavaliers um, as they go forward. Um, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that ACC championship, which, I mean, I feel like the shelf life on that was like three days tops um, because of the, the Hunter thing. Um, and then we'll, we'll get into just, just this weekend's um, situation. We won't try to break down the whole tournament. We're not going to focus on even the whole South region. We're going to talk about um, just what's going on in Charlotte this week, basically the four-team pod uh, that UVA is a part of. Um, before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody up in Fishersville. David Spence is back on the show. How are you, buddy? Oh, I'm just peachy, Brad. Thanks for asking. Who Dave's on the board <laughs> at Who Dave's on Twitter? I was going to ask you if you've recovered, but we all know the answer to that question. Uh, up in Arlington, Justin Ferber is also on the show. How are you, my friend? I'm tired. Um, at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. And Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for our in-game updates, content items, and the occasional Woody banter. So let's let's do this chronologically. Um, I think that's the only fair way uh, really to do it. Um, we, we really shouldn't... Um, I don't know. We, we shouldn't let the, the Hunter injury really overshadow everything. Um, so we have to talk about the ACC tournament title. I thought, and you guys, I want, I want to hear your opinions on this. Um, I, I thought that this one felt different than the last time I saw him win an, uh, an ACC tournament championship. That one felt like a, a kind of a, an exciting, a joyous occasion, but it was much more of a... Uh, um, hey mama, we made it kind of moment than it was. This one felt very businesslike. Um, maybe that's because the first person I talked to after the game was Ty Jerome and he was clearly focused on the NCAA tournament. Ferber, you were also there. Did you get that same sense uh, about this this championship compared to the one we saw last time? Yeah, I do think it was different in, in a few ways. I mean, obviously there were some similarities of you know UVA being the one seed and, and kind of cruising through the bracket, but um, to the 2014 year, I mean. Uh, but the, the main difference for me, and I think I told you this after the game, was that, you know, the first time in 2014, it really felt like it, it was, you know, you, even though they were the one seed, you kind of had to see them go do it. Um, you know what I mean? It was, they were, they might have been the favorite in the bracket, but um, they had lost to Duke in the regular season and they hadn't obviously won a tournament title or even made the semifinal since. 95 I think and then they hadn't won a tournament title since 76 so right right. I mean I still wanted to kind of see it to believe it but at the same time um you know it was obviously kind of a surreal moment whereas this one felt more like the best team won if that makes any sense it felt like kind of it was just like the correct ending to the way that the season played out rather than you know a split title um I think UVA deserved to be the ACC champion both, you know, in terms of, you know, the regular season and the tournament as far as, you know, the the outright champion in both areas. So um, it, it felt like it was just kind of like a coronation of, you know, it felt like a, a cap on a very impressive ACC run rather than, you know, something like a new milestone, so to speak. Right. Uh, what about you, Dave? What you what are, what did you get? What kind of vibes did you get from when you watched them win the win this championship? It's it's always fun to win a championship, uh, but it definitely it's definitely different. I mean, two thousand fourteen, we were innocent then. You know, we we didn't know how good this 
the next four years are going to be. It was enjoying the moment. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm older than you guys, obviously. And, you know, 1976, I, I was two, but I don't remember it, you know. And to me, ACC tournament success was a bigger, you know, a, a bigger mystery, as, you know, something – What's what I'm looking for? Something I hadn't seen. I'd seen more success in the NCAA's with Virginia basketball than I'd seen in the ACC tournament during my lifetime. So, seeing them win in 2014, it was just like this, this huge. Oh, we don't have to always talk about '76 anymore. And look how far this program has become since the Tennessee loss. And you know, maybe we've got a really good coach here, and let's hope he can keep going after Joe and all these guys leave. Right now, it's established. I mean, I was watching the. Before the tournament, I said it didn't mean as much to me this year as it as it did, and as it did in 2014. And, and that still some of that's true. Like now, I th- now I want to see the program get the national recognition I think it deserves. And unfortunately, as many articles have talked about this week, that you know March, you know March Madness is kind of when that gets when that gets dropped upon you. But if you think about just the quality of the teams in the ACC. Um, I mean, winning the ACC tournament is hard, and, and this team did it relatively easily, um, w- which is amazing. Um, now, I got to watch the a little bit of the final with my 8-year-old, and you know, she looked at me halfway through the game, and she's like, does Virginia always win this tournament? And to her, they kind of do. I mean, so it's all perspective. I mean, she remembers a little bit of the 14 tournament as a 4-year-old and me, me going to it and coming back with, with gifts. Um, and now as an eight-year-old, she's seen it when it's seen us win it twice. And so I guess it's all perspective. At 43, I've seen two that I remember, and she's seen two in eight years. Dave, did you feel weird not being there for this one? Yeah, I mean, that kind of sucked. I mean, <laughs> you know, moving it to Saturday night makes it tough for me, obviously. You know, working in the sporting good field, like, it's a busy, Saturdays are busy. Um, so I didn't really have the option of being there. But, yeah, being in – the Greensboro thing was excitement. Like, you know, I left, I left work after we closed up shop on Saturday that year and drove down to Greensboro and went out. And as we discussed Brooklyn versus Greensboro on the previous podcast, like Greensboro, you go to bars, it, it's, it's fans of the schools. It's Virginia fans. It was, um, you know, Duke fans hanging around. So that was special having to come home and watch it after work. Kind of was a, kind of a letdown, but, by the by, the time the game got going, the the tournament that meant very little to me meant a whole lot, and yeah, now we were, it means even more. <laughs> we were giving you crap about that the other week. You were yeah. all like, "Yeah, you know, this was not like." I'm like, "Yeah, it kind of it kind of is a big deal." And then like middle of the weekend or middle of the tournament, you're like, "Okay, yeah, fine, it's a big deal." Um, well, it's like a right. tu- it's like a random Tuesday night game in the ACC. Like you don't care about it until they tip the ball off, and all of a sudden, yeah, I'm not. I don't want to lose this game. You know, that's just kind of how yeah. it is. And it was it was awesome. I want to say this before we move on, but it was an awesome atmosphere in the final, especially. Um, I, I thought the UVA fans did a great job of of coming out and supporting the team. I mean, they really. We we had kind of talked about it, me, Brad, and a couple other people uh, in the media before the game about what we thought the crowd might be like, and I had kind of settled on a fifty fifty kind of split, almost like what we saw in DC a couple of years ago when UVA played Carolina. And there were certainly a lot of Carolina fans in the building um, the previous nights when they played uh, Syracuse and Duke. 
Um, but UVA fans took the place over on Saturday night, and I'd say it was probably 70-30 UVA fans, something like that. Brad can weigh in if he wants to, but it was it was an impressive showing, and, and it felt like a home game. If it was 70-30 instead of like 75-25, I'd be shocked. I mean, it felt, it felt like a home game. I joked about it being JPJ North at some point, and I kind of, I mean, that was part real, but it was part shtick. I mean, I was kind of playing to my audience a little bit, but then it sort of like really backed me up on it, so I was kind of, I was even more impressed. I, I definitely didn't expect uh, the Carolina fans to be as outnumbered in that final as they were. Um, but but Fur was right. It was a it, it was a heck of an event. I thought uh, Barclays did an excellent job with it. Um, my only this is this is how you know it's pretty good. My only complaint is that they don't show in arena replays. That's it. That's my only that's my only complaint. They're just not enough. Um, of them. I don't think they show any of them. Oh, like, I, I did not t- see. I can, scene. I can tell you one that they showed, and that was when I was sitting there watching the UNC Duke game, and Grayson Allen did his thing. They showed that a few oh, times. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I put it to you like this. I looked up several times to see if I could find yeah. a replay of something. Especially on, like, foul calls. It. The JPJ people do a great job of, like, if it's a foul call and the fans freak out, they'll show it to kind of, you know, give them a look at what actually happened. Um, and sometimes yeah. it makes them more incensed and sometimes less, but usually more. Um, yeah. But, I mean, they just they didn't show those kind of plays very much, and I, I definitely see where you're coming from there. But yeah, Barclays Center, really nice building. Um, it was cool. It was it was a little different for the ACC tournament to be in New York City, but um, I certainly didn't enjoy walking through the snow on the way there. But um, it was yeah. Let's not talk about that, that. Other than that, it was fine. Yeah, I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk about the snow and pulling pulling that bag. All right, so. Riding high, coming off of an ACC tournament title, the number one overall seed. Then, then the the bracket comes out, and I, I think that the general sense is that most people, especially Virginia fans, felt like Virginia got disrespected, at least in some way, shape, or form. And I, I really don't want to get into that because it doesn't matter. Um, but it was definitely a storyline, at least until yesterday, when news uh, began to break uh, that oh god, such a horrible pun. I didn't mean that. I'm sorry. When news began to spread that DeAndre Hunter um, was going to be out for the tournament with a broken uh, left wrist, um, it was something that through the day got sort of weird. It was it it began as one of those like yeah this doesn't seem like it makes a lot of sense and then we talked to tony and he didn't say anything and so hours passed and you still hadn't heard anything and then i had somebody reach out to me um that said something essentially a hearsay sort of comment from you know a friend of a friend sort of deal but it came from somebody in a medical capacity and i thought um that's not good and so i reached out to a source and and got sent to voicemail and i'm like yeah that's probably not good either um but ultimately I, I knew that there was no way anybody was going to get that thing until it was it was a release and sure enough the news dump eventually came um and it, i posted a, a thing on the board about you know sort of how this might you know change things for uva um and how how um how uva might need to sort of react to those changes um to sort of in some way i, I guess give give it for the cavaliers to give themselves some of what some of the sparkle, right? You're not going to get back, but some of the X's and O's you, you might, um, you can't lose a kid like that who is as versatile as he is and not think you're going to, you're going to hit some bumps. But at the same time, you, you can probably figure out a way that it doesn't sort of, um, envelop you, right. That it doesn't just take you down completely. Um, and I think that it's, it's fair to expect that Virginia's going to need a lot more out of Mamadi Diakite and a lot more out of Nigel Johnson now, maybe than the Cavaliers would have going in. 
Dave, I'm going to start with you as our, our resident um, total homer. Um, what's what, Now that you've had a full 24 hours to sort of digest the news, you keep claiming that these things that you text us are, is sarcasm. We don't necessarily buy it most of the time. But what's your, what's your feeling now? Which, has it changed your sort of outlook um, on this weekend and beyond? Um, or have you sort of talked yourself back uh, into maybe being excited about the tournament? No, <laughs> I mean, I, 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 no. I've gone I've gone through their five stages of grief, which for UVA fans don't in, it doesn't include denial as the first stage. It's it's sort of like a see, I told you something bad would happen. That that's the first stage of Virginia fan, you know, grieving. Um, like, I mean, it's it's pretty devastating. I mean, you can spin it any way you want. When, when you talked about the X factor for this Virginia team, wasn't just. You know, it's the shooting and, and having more than one playmaker, but it was also you had this, you know, future NBA player coming off the bench, and you know, a guy who, a guy who was not only you know a force on the offensive end, which is easy to see, but you know, for those of us, you know, most of Virginia fans are pretty pretty up to date on defense, but you know, Hunter could guard so many positions, and he made he made the pack line an even more versatile defense. Um, so. Look, there's no way to sweep it under the rug and be like, oh, everything's just fine, just peachy. Um, that doesn't mean Virginia can't come out of this bracket. I, I think it it means it's going to be a lot more surprising if they're cutting down the nets in San Antonio um, and, and in many ways more surprising if they're cutting down the nets to, to go to San Antonio. Um, he, he's a great player, man. And the the thing – I think the thing not mentioned is how much Tony trusts him. Like – when in big games, Tony plays guys he trusts. You know, I, I was I was very happy that Nigel responded well in the Carolina game, not because of what he needed, not just because of what happened that night, but looking back on it, like maybe that maybe Tony trusts him a little more going forward. He's going to kind of have to. Um, and then look, there's there is no no good to come of it. You're not none of us are happy. DeAndre's not there and. I am better than I was yesterday, but I just think it kind of sucks for this program. And, and it sucks for guys like Devin Hall and Isaiah Wilkins and, um, and even Nigel, you know, guys that had a, are going to have to do more and, and can still achieve a lot and have a, a wonderful season. Um, but it's just going to be a little harder now. And in a tournament where, where you're in a bracket where you're going to run up against some, some talent, you know, what DeAndre could have offered against Arizona – we can maybe get it from the other guys on the roster, but they're going to have to kind of break some bad habits that have cost them. Like, Mamadi's not going to be able to follow as much, and, and Nigel's going to be a little more sure with the ball and a little more in flow with the offense. And maybe Marco Anthony steps up and, you know, and gains Tony's trust. So we'll see. I mean, the pieces are there to make a run. It's just, man, it would miss so much nicer. And I feel like we've had that discussion way too, way too much. Yeah, the injury thing has definitely been a, a thing uh, for UVA uh, at this time of year. I mean, we don't need to go back through it. Um, I think if, if Nigel plays the way he did in the first half against Carolina um, and Mamadi can sort of figure out a way to play consistently anywhere close to that, that's, that spurt that he had, I think it was against Clemson where he scored like eight in a row or six in a row or whatever. If he can, if he can sort of – his biggest problem is going to be playing continuous. I mean – he has a problem on defense where he at times he's gotten away from, and this is a good thing. He's gotten away from always trying to like 
set himself up for some huge block. But he's he does have a tendency at times to sort of lose his man, or or not necessarily lose his man, but to just lose focus um, on the big picture. He can he'll be where he needs to be for his man, but sometimes he's a little bit uh, out of position based on where the ball is or where other other guys are, and so he's got to he's got to channel his inner. Uh, his inner Zay in a way like he just you know what I mean like he he has the tools and I think that's something that's important to keep in mind here if you're gonna lose a kid like DeAndre Hunter it's really nice to have Mamadi Diakite coming off your bench too um, but it does change things for them as I mentioned on the board in terms of you know being able to switch everything um, Mamadi's gonna have to play a lot more and he's gotta be he's gotta be a bigger contributor um, I still think Virginia needs to continue to to you know, put the ball in the post. That's been a, it's been a very welcome sort of change for their offense. And then, um, it would it above all, I think what losing Dre really does is it one, it takes the versatile defensive piece off the table in the sense that you could put him on one through four. I mean, there were times in against Louisville he's got he's guarding Mahmoud. You know, like he gave you such versatility, and that allowed your other guys, you know, Devin and 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 Wilkins specifically to to sort of focus in on specific assignments and, and having Dre to be able to move around was, was important. But beyond that, now you, your, your main scorers just can't have off nights. Like they're going to have to figure out ways to score. If shots aren't falling before you could give the ball to Dre, he could jab, step, jab, step, and he'd get you a nice little mid range look or two. Um, and that would keep you afloat. Now you're going to have to figure out how to get that offense yourself. Uh, Ferber, what, what's your general take on life after uh, Deandre Hunter, at least for this season? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly a loss, um, a big one. Uh, I mean, it, just the fact that he didn't start might throw people off, you know, but the the versatility that he could bring to the table as far as um, the way that he could get his points, um, not a lot of guys on the team are that versatile. I mean, he's a guy that can shoot the ball. He has a mid-range game, which not a lot of players have nowadays. UVA luckily has a few guys that can, that can score in that way. Um, he can get to the rim. He can dunk on people. Um, he obviously made some clutch free throws at the end of that Carolina game, even though he's been a little shaky at the line at some points this season. Um, but also, what he brings to you on the defensive tape, you know, end of the floor, he he can guard guys, you know, basically one through five, um, depending on the matchups, and that's something that's awesome to have in a pack line. It's great to have in March when you don't know who's going to be in foul trouble or you know tired, wh- whatever the situation may be. Um, so it's certainly a big loss. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say that it doesn't change my perspective. And, you know, one of the first things I thought when it happened was that it could be what ends up derailing the season, but we don't really know that yet. And that's not a hundred percent, you know, likely, I mean, it, it could, it could be, it could be a factor and, and we'll see how him being out kind of puts a strain on other players and maybe the starters go back to logging all those minutes that they were in the middle of the ACC schedule and, you know, get a little worn down, uh, but maybe they don't. I mean, it just depends. Uh, it's going to really come down to UVA locking down on the defensive end like they always do, um, and obviously they still have players that can that know how to do that without DeAndre. I mean, they can they can play the pack line when he's not on the court. Um, so I don't think that that's necessarily going to be a problem. Uh, DeAndre gave you something on offense that could maybe get you out of a slump. You know, he could get to the rim. Um, you know, like I said, he can make those mid-range jump shots. He just kind of has a versatility to him that allows you to, um, you know, not rely so heavily on three-point shooting or scoring right around the rim um, with your big men. But 
it'll be interesting to see if teams maybe are more willing to go zone now against UVA, as it seems like some teams have kind of gotten away from doing that recently. Um, or they haven't done it as much just because now, I mean, they can't put Hunter in the middle of the zone. They'll have to put somebody else there. So, um, I wonder if teams may be a little bit more willing to go to zone against UVA's offense and, and how they deal with that. But, um, obviously it puts more pressure on guys like Kyle Guy and, and Devin Hall and Ty Jerome and obviously the bench, as you mentioned. So those guys are just going to have to be just a little bit more sharp, you know, with their shooting and, and make sure that, you know, they're not making a lot of mistakes and, and stay out of foul trouble. But, Obviously, it's a huge loss. It's definitely disappointing, and, and I understand the UVA fans that are frustrated and, and can't believe that this is happening again, but um, it's part of Port of Sports. Uh, you know, it's part of sports, and, um, you know, hopefully... I think this team is a resilient group, and they've already shown that they can exceed expectations, and, you know, if there's anyone that I trust to um, get this team to where it needs to play, it's Tony, and I, and I think that this group of players specifically... Um, has an ability to you know rise to the occasion even with the without DeAndre. I, th- I think the easiest way to think about it, and and we'll get to um, UMBC in a second. But I think the easiest way to think about it is that everything is going to have to be a little tighter, right? They're going to have to be as efficient as they can be. They're going to have to get contributions consistently. You know, they're going to have to you know not just not turn the ball over, but I think they got to generate some turnovers and, and score off of them. Maybe you know more in line with what they were doing earlier in the season or excuse me, earlier in ACC play at least. Um, you know, like I said, I think Mamadi and, and Nigel end up being the key sort of um, um, key guys that have to pick up the slack. Um, that, you know, those 20 minutes that went to Dre, I think they, they're they going to have to play um, a little bit more. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Marco Anthony got some burn here and there. Um, but realistically, I mean, you know, Tony probably can shorten up his rotation. Foul trouble is going to be a, a big, uh, you know, a big um, driving force behind this. You know, it's uh, um, you know, it's interesting. I wonder if now, given where where things are with Dre out, will and, and somebody gets to, you know two fouls in the first half, will Tony still stick with his his uh, his his general practice of sitting a guy for the rest of the half when they've got two? Um, but realistically, I think the easiest way to think about it is, is that, yeah, it's a heck of a blow. Um, but Virginia has a deep team and there's still good pieces to come off uh, the bench. And, um, clearly the Cavaliers are, 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 um, are still one among the favorites in this tournament. I think it's pretty crazy that the media, media folks went from, well, they don't have an NBA player on their, on their roster to, well, you shouldn't pick Virginia because now their only NBA player, uh, isn't going to play, um, I, yeah. I just I kind of find that somewhat humorous and, and altogether um, uh, unsurprising. Yeah, um, and, and as part of my acceptance with this, like, granted, it happened in a year when UVA's had a spectacular season, right? And you know, um, nothing like I, I can remember in my my formative life lifetime. But the the fact they're number one is also a good thing because uh, they're going to get no offense to UMBC, who I'm sure we'll talk about in a minute. Like Virginia should be able to win that game fairly easily so they can work on some things and get some confidence up without DeAndre on the floor and maybe keep the minutes down. And then they get a day of rest before they play Creighton or Kansas State, who are both very good teams. But even without DeAndre, I think if Virginia plays well, they handle them. Um, and then they get four or five days to come back and, and tweak things. So it is good to be one in the sense that if you're going to lose a big player, it, it's nice to have that. There's no gimmies in the NCAA tournament, but the 116 is about as close as it gets. So it, it could be worse. You, you could be like a four seed and have you know <laughs> have a lot lot tougher first round opponent. No doubt. Um, so let's talk about that 16 seed 
uh, UMBC, the Retrievers, University of Maryland, Baltimore County, which has I, I love saying that name. I don't I don't know. I think I love anything Baltimore. Um, so they come in at, at 24 and 10, uh, a really incredible win for them in the um, American East Conference tournament um, where they get past Vermont. Uh, Jarius Lyle seems to be the, um, you know, the one you need to be, um, focused on. And certainly I think the one that Ferber is going to talk a lot about in his preview on, on Friday morning, um, six foot two, 175 pounds senior. Um, he, he really is, you know, to, to coin the cliche, the, the stir, the, the thing that stirs the drink for him, right? He's, he's their shooting guard. Um, he, he's the one who's going to, um, who's going to have to be, if they're going to pull off the the first 16 seed win over a one, uh, it's going to have to be on his shoulders. Now, that's not to say that that um, um, Coach Odom doesn't have obviously some some other players that he can sort of lean on, um, but it definitely to me, I mean, Virginia typically with teams like this, they take away the main guy and then some rando shows up and everybody else pretty much struggles. Um, I I think you're probably in line to to get that here. Uh, Ferber, let's start with you. What's your general sense uh, of the Retrievers, and 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 how um, and how these two teams sort of match up at this point? Yeah, I mean they're not the worst 16 seed I've ever seen. Um, they're certainly not. I wouldn't say they're the best either. Um, like you mentioned, Lyles is going to be a, a huge key to what they do on offense, and you know he was the guy that you know made the game-winning shot to put them in the tournament, and you know he's had a really nice season. Um, like a lot of, you know, 16 seed, 15 seed type teams that you're going to play, they're not the biggest team in the world. Um, I mean, they're going to have a 5-8 point guard guarding Ty Jerome, I guess, most of the time. Uh, that's a pretty big size differential. Um, and then, you know, they, they do have a couple guys. They have a 6-9 center. They have a 6-10 guy that doesn't play as much. But um, I think UVA will have an advantage on the inside. Uh, as far as, you know, like what they've done to get here, it's interesting. They haven't lost back-to-back games since their first two games of the season. It's like they win two, they lose one. They win three, they lose one. Um, they did play a couple of decent teams in the non-conference. Uh, they lost to Arizona by 25. Um, they lost to Maryland by 20. Um, their best win of the season was Vermont. Uh, and I, they beat Northern Kentucky by one. Uh, Northern Kentucky was pretty good this year. Um, they beat Vermont at the, basically at the buzzer, um, in the America East tournament championship and they had lost to them twice, gotten blown out in both games. Uh, they lost to Albany by like 50 points at one point in the season. I don't know what happened in that game. Um, but yeah, I that's mean, the weirdest result on their schedule for sure. Yeah. 83 39. Um, but in Albany, I don't think was that great, but. Yeah, I mean, their profile, you kind of look at their team, it seems like they rely pretty heavily on the three. Um, you know, they score 44.1% or 40.7, sorry, percent of their points from three. That's uh, 13th most nationally. So, um, you know, they do a pretty good job not turning the ball over. Um, you know, but they're, they don't rebound. They, they kind of look at UVA's profile from an offensive rebounding standpoint. Um, so I wouldn't expect a lot of second chance points. Their offense pretty pretty mediocre overall. Their defense is about the same. Um, they're not going to really play really fast, and I think that they'll be okay with playing UVA's pace. Basically, their path forward would just be making a ton of threes, and they can they can make threes for sure. Um, but they probably haven't faced the defense as athletic and um, you know proficient at, at stopping you know contesting everything um, since they played Arizona probably way back in in early uh november so 
I, I think it's a game UVA should win, um, and uh, comfortably, uh, just because of. I mean, this team is is decent, and you got to respect how they've gotten to the tournament. But um, on paper, I mean, UVA obviously has a huge advantage. So, in that Albany game, I just looked in the numbers; they were two, all right, of twenty. So they t- shot ten percent from three. So Albany scored one point two six points per possession, and uh, and UMBC scored point five nine, which I. Yeah, did Albany just light it up or something? Like that I mean they were they shot sixty percent from the floor, fifty three percent from three. Um and Lyles didn't have a horrible game. He was seven for thirteen from the field, missed both of his free throw attempts. Um you know, they turned it over fifteen times, but so but Albany turned it over twelve. Um it, it's it's that's a that's a weird box score. Um Dave, what's your general sense of, of UMBC, and are, are you worried about being the, you know, because you, a few minutes ago, you said something like, well, you know, there's no sure thing in the NCAA tournament, but, you know, a 16 versus a 1 is a pretty good thing. I, I, I would imagine that the UVA fan in your, in your blood would not allow you to say such things out loud, but um, are you worried that this could be the first 16 to beat a 1? No. That's I mean, twice for you tonight. No. no. No, I mean, like, look, I mean... Let's take who are the like the three guys on the team closest to DeAndre. It's Ty, it's Kyle, and it's probably Devin, right? Um, just based on my outside knowledge of the team, those guys are. You don't have to worry about this one R one seed coming to this game thinking it's a it's a walkover. Like they're they're playing for Dre. They're they're playing for showing everyone we're around. They're going to be activated early, and that's what you need from a one seed versus a sixteen. Um, and UNBC, you're right. They, you know. Um, when, when your best player is your a guard, and there's not a guy who's almost as good next to him, that means you can just uh, you put Devin on him, and that that's a problem for him. No, no, if Devin Devin's an elite level defender, you know, playing in his last NCAA tournament, so it's just a game. Like, given the the DeAndre injury, it, it's a great it's great to be a one seed. Um, I think there's some better 16 teams out there than UMBC. Like I wouldn't want to play Radford. They got they got a big man that can do some stuff. You know, at least a medium sized man. You're damn can do some right. Stuff. You don't want to play Radford. <laughs> I mean, I'm much, I knew I'm, that was coming. I knew. I knew it. I set him up. Um, and I'm not worried. I'm not worried about it. I mean, it, it might be close at you know halfway through the first half, but that's kind of. But even then, I wouldn't be worried. That's kind of what Virginia does. But I don't expect them. I think they're going to come out hot and. And in that game quickly, and let Tony <laughs> kind of play around with some some rotations. Yeah, if I'm I mean, wrong. Y'all can come back and yell at me. Yeah, I mean, it's like one of those things where I think UMBC is the type of team that could kind of get hot and keep it close or take a lead or something. But I mean, the way UVA defends, I don't think they can be. You know, I mean, UVA hasn't lost or really come close to losing to a team of this caliber all year. So I, I, I don't see it happening now with everything on the line. And at the same time, um. Oh man, I just had a point and I just lost it. <laughs> Brad, I'm still I'm still uh tired from Brooklyn. It's been one of those weeks. Yeah, that's a good that's a good reason to 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 you maybe it'll come back to you. Look, I, I think that ultimately um this is a game that that folks probably want us to not talk about much because they don't want to th- they don't want to be worried about it. And and hopefully um you know, even though tip you know, by and large this is an uh this is a team that still hasn't had um, at least you know across the board, a lot of NCAA tournament success. It's a team that has had plenty of success this season, and so you, you'd like to think that they they won't play tight. I honestly think that in some ways 
the DeAndre injury actually helps them on that front for a while because they will. They, I think Dave's right. I think there's a there's a motivating factor of going out and playing it for your for your brother, um, and you know seeing him on the sideline and in, in the with the thing on his wrist and everything. Um, and you know you have to be more locked in now. You know. Yeah. And but my and, point I was going to make is like if like there's no if you're worried about this game then then you should just like not even watch. You know. It's like what's the point? Um, I mean if they lose they lose but. Like, there's no reason to think, like, to like to worry about it happening until you know it does. That's a that's a good place uh, to move on. So let's let's look at let's. I think we all assume Virginia's going to get by UMBC uh, and not be the first one seed to lose to a 16. If they don't, we're skipping the podcast next week. <laughs> I don't. don't I'm going to throw up under construction. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, if we go to the next floor of the duplex. Um, which is Creighton and Kansas State. I think we all are all in agreement that we would rather Virginia not play Creighton. I think we all are in agreement that we think Virginia's going to play Creighton. Um, why do we Why do we feel that way, Dave? What is it? Is it just the Foster kid? Is it the style of play? Is it that Kansas State's not that great? Because on paper, at least in some ways, these two teams do seem similar. I don't think they're you know poorly seeded it in the uh, you know in the. Um, uh, in the eight nine game, I, I don't I don't think that's a you know um, a, any sign of disrespect. But I look at it, and I think you know at least in Kempom, these two teams are, are are worse than teams that did not make the tournament. Um, so so what's the concern? Why do we why do we why do we think why do you think at least that Creighton is the team that Virginia doesn't want to play? I mean, I think they're a better team than K State, um, and, and I think they've got some some guards and and shooting and the way they play. It's not Villanova level, but it's Villanova like. Um, so I think they run a, a pretty efficient offense. I mean, in K State, but you know, my, my, I'm, I've been sitting here thinking while, while you were leading up to asking me, like, do, I don't know if I changed my opinion with DeAndre out because um, Dre was kind of the perfect guy to guard. Um, uh, what's his face from K State? You just mentioned his name. I totally lost it. Dean Wade. Uh, yeah. The the four, stretch four they have like Dean Wade, yeah, Dean Wade. Um, thank you. Um, so maybe maybe without DeAndre, Creighton's a better matchup. Look, e- either one of them better than than playing a five or six in the second round. Um, I do think Creighton's a better team. I think they're what twenty seven in Kim Palm and K State's like forty four. I I'd just rather play K State overall. I, I think Creighton's got better better shooters and. Are a little bit bigger challenge as a whole, um, but for the most part, I mean, both of them are going a significant step up from our first round game. So, my my hope is we that first round game we can work out some kinks and and, and get some get some confidence for Mamadi and Nigel and, and and guys who will probably need in that second game. That I think either team will beat. I just feel like K State's an easier beat. I think the thing for me in looking at them, you know, compared to each other. Is that yeah? Creighton's not only just the you know the 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 more highly rated team at least in Kempom, which I, I think is a, is a good metric. Um, they're they're a faster team. You know, Kansas State pretty much plays at uh, a roughly UVA's pace. Um, so the chance that Kansas State's going to come in and and essentially play UVA's game and somehow win is doubtful. Um, but Creighton at, at least nationally seventh in effective field goal percentage. Um, that's a team to me. Um, that is going to figure out ways to score, or excuse me, that that's going to make shots, right? That's not going to that's not going to be forced into taking bad shots. 
Um, and I think what Doug McDermott's dad, uh, Greg, has done, you know, like how I did that, I saved myself. Um, Greg McDermott, I think, has done a nice job over the years of, of coaching up his offense. When it's, you know, it was even better when his kid was there. But um, ultimately, I, I think I would rather them play Kansas State just because um, Creighton, I think, is a team that can get going, can get hot. Um, I, I think the foster kid is, is legitimately really, really good. Um, they don't have, they don't need to, to lean on a lot of signs. It doesn't look like, um, you know, they've got the one big kid. They play a lot of, looks like they play a lot of four out one in sort of stuff. Um, Tyshawn Alexander is a name that some folks probably remember. He seems like a fairly well used reserve for them as a freshman. Um, so, I mean, I have, I don't think I've watched any of Creighton or, or Kansas state this year, but I definitely, my, my, my general sense is that I had much rather UVA play Kansas state than I would, um, them to play Creighton. Uh, Ferber, as you look at these two teams compared to each other, what, what are some of the differences that stand out? Yeah. I mean, you kind of just profile them. I think some of its style of play, um, and both in terms of pace and in terms of strategy, um, I think Kansas state's more of a plotting kind of methodical work, the ball inside, outside kind of team. Whereas uh, Creighton relies a lot on their guard play. Um, they're going to shoot a lot of threes. Uh, they're going to rely on Foster to kind of get to the rim and make plays and, and stuff like that. Obviously against Virginia's defense, it's going to be tougher. Um, but I watched them play Villanova this year, and I know that game was at home. Uh, but they won that game, and they looked pretty good doing it. Um, it they had to go to overtime to do it, but um, it was a it was a pretty – I walked away thinking that was a good team, and it's. I'd rather probably play Kansas State um, for a number of reasons. Uh, style of play, I mean, UVA kind of dictates the pace and style of play most of the time, so that doesn't really bother me that much. I mean, you're going to have different styles of play in the tournament. That's kind of what makes it so awesome. Um, but uh, at the same time, uh, you know, it, it, you play who you play, it's going to be tough either way, but... I think they can they can win against either team. Kansas State probably a better chance to win. Uh, another reason I kind of would rather play Kansas State is if you just look at their profile. Like I said, Creighton's got that win over Villanova. They they've played well in a tough league, and and then K State. I think one of the reasons they're a nine seed and not more on the bubble or out of the tournament um, is that the fact that they've played so many tough teams in their league it helps their you know strength of schedule and RPI. But if you look at who they've actually beaten, I mean they haven't really beaten. The elite teams in their league, they have you know went over TCU. Um, I think they beat Oklahoma once. Like that's about it. Uh, I mean, so you get credit, you know, in, in the in the RPI metric and other metrics for losing to good teams, which is fine. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're good enough to beat elite teams, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. I, I also there's a couple. You know, if you look at Kansas State's um, uh, resume. So, like opponents, uh, Vanderbilt beat them by five at home. Um, West Virginia beat them uh, by eight uh, at home and then beat them in Morgantown by 38, if I'm my math is correct. They lost to Vanderbilt. Um, that team excuse is... me, they beat, Van, they beat Vanderbilt. Oh, I was gonna, that team they beat bad. Vanderbilt by five. <laughs> my bad, my bad. They beat Vanderbilt by five. Um so yeah, you're right. I mean, other than maybe if you want to say that uh, you know Texas is a tournament team, Baylor didn't get in, Oklahoma State didn't get in. Um, they did beat Oklahoma um, once, lost to them once as well. So you're right. They they didn't really get you know the top of that league, but they they picked up some stuff along the way. Yeah, Virginia beat um, more more quality teams last weekend than they did last <laughs> this whole season. That's a good I mean, point. No offense. Yeah, um, Creighton lost by twenty to Villanova. Um, 
Lost a, a squeaker at home to Xavier. Um, lost Mark to Marquette by four at home, and then lost to Butler by twenty three in February. Um, it's funny. I'm I'm worried about Creighton, and then I'm looking at them, thinking, dude, they've lost four of their last six. Um, hell, five Aren't of their last like eight, three, three, three and six down the stretch or something. You know, yeah, and, and yeah, and and then they played something called Bemidji State. Yeah, it's a, D2, sort of it's a D two school in uh in Nebraska. That's really a random. few teams do that in the middle of the season. Um, I'm trying to look for any like uh, or um, similar opponents. They they lost to Seton Hall by six uh, at Seton Hall. Um, they had a few top twenty wins. I mean, they had, they had, that that's what scares you versus when you're comparing them to K State. That's that's what um, I'm saying. Kansas State hasn't beaten anybody good, and but it's like they've well, lost the one, a bunch they, of games to to good teams, so it helps their profile. But who have they beaten? But, like, yeah, yeah, the win over Villanova is obviously is obviously Creighton's best of the year. They also beat uh, Seton Hall and Butler. Um, other than that, I don't see much on there to really get excited about. I mean, they're on the same line as like Virginia Tech and, you know, you're talking yeah, Virginia exactly. Tech, Alabama. I think that's a, that's a, I'm, I'm glad you made that point because that was something I was thinking about. My, I randomly cracked my windshield somehow and was driving back today from getting it fixed. And I was thinking about like trying to try. I think there's something about the tournament that when we start to think about these teams that we don't watch much, right? That like they scare you because it's a one loss deal, but like essentially this is a this is like you're gonna go you have a you you're you're not really sure if you're gonna play Virginia Tech or you're gonna play um, NC State, you know like that's basically who these two teams are. Maybe maybe not in terms of like the X's and O's and and some of the particulars, but in terms of like just their overall sort of um, ethos, right? That's just who they are. They're just middle of the road teams in their in their yeah. conference. And I'd I'd be almost more scared sometimes to play an eight or a nine from a non power league that maybe just or is an eight or a nine like Wichita State has been in the past, where they just didn't have the opportunities to prove themselves in their league. So their strength of schedule numbers got dinged and and stuff like that. So that's kind of where they ended up falling down the seed line a little bit. And you can make that same case for Arizona. I mean, I don't think Arizona is a four seed in terms of talent or potential but they're a four seed because they play in the pac 12 which stinks so they get less opportunities to get big wins but that doesn't mean they're bad whereas a team like kansas state or creighton to an extent they've had those opportunities and not taken advantage of them like you know what i'm saying like virginia tech obviously is a bad example because they beat uva and duke but like you know a lot of these teams it's they're an eight or a nine because they play in a league that allows them opportunities to win and maybe they grab one here or there but these two teams, I mean, Creighton beat Villanova at home. And I know that Creighton's a tough place to play. So I don't know how much that was a factor. Um, and obviously that's a long road trip for a conference game, by the way. Um, and Kansas State, I mean, like I said, they didn't really beat a team anywhere near UVA's caliber this season. So home or away. Um, so, I, I, you know, like they're the types of teams that don't scare me as much as maybe a team that's underseeded because – they didn't get the opportunities, but maybe they're better than people realize. If that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, Virginia Tech beat you know one at UVA and beat Duke. I mean, but they're probably about even with Creighton. And yeah, and the reason that they're there is because they're a non-conference schedule. They took that stupid loss to St. Louis, um, yeah. which which is a terrible loss. And then, and then you know, in league play, they were kind of sketchy until the back half. So. Yeah, and didn't Creighton lose to St. John's, or did they beat St. John's? I'm trying to pull it up. Yeah, I think they had a, they had a dumb loss or two. In there yeah, too, they 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 yeah. beat St. John's. Uh, they beat St. John's twice. The dumb loss I, I think was um, 
I mean, they Maybe lost Marquette. to Marquette, but Marquette's an NIT team. That's not that bad. But they lost to them by four at home. Um, yeah. Just remember, Clemson. I mean, their losses are not terrible. Like Forty ba- points. Baylor year. was a borderline uh, NCAA team. Gonzaga's in the in the in the dance. Seton Hall's in the dance. Xavier, Providence, Villanova, Xavier, Marquette. So Marquette, they lost to Marquette twice in the in within um, within like three three and a half weeks. So that's probably where it is. They lost to they lost to Marquette. Uh, twice in the season, but that's really that's the only team they lost to that didn't make the tournament. Yeah, so I mean that kind of te- that kind of resume is more impressive to me than one like Kansas State's where it's like they lost to a bunch of teams that were decent, but they didn't really beat a lot of good teams. It's just kind of like you know right. Creighton has shown you at their best that they can beat Villanova. You know what I'm saying? Like they're good right. enough to beat Villanova. Um, I know that was on their home court, but they're not. They don't have to go to JPJ. But you know what's yeah. funny is like you look at these teams and you. You're like, oh, they took a bad loss here. They had some issues here. It's like every team but UVA almost has had that. So like, that's true. UVA yeah. is the outlier in that way. So right. Well, I think that's a, a good place to put a pin in it. I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show and and giving us a listen. If you have um, found us um, through the podcast, thanks for for uh, giving us a look at Cavs Corner. Um, Obviously, this is the time of year where we're 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 basketball heavy, but you know we ran a couple of football stories this week just to keep some variety in your diet. Um, also, if you are a member of the site already, uh, feel free to um, give us a, a review on iTunes or in the Android store, whatever you call that. Um, uh, it does help folks to find the show. Um, so yeah, so I will be in Charlotte um, for this weekend's festivities and. Um, after that, we will figure out after that, but I want to thank, uh, Dave and, and Justin for giving graciously of their time as always. I really do appreciate it. Um, and, uh, want to thank again, everybody out there for, for listening to the show. So for, uh, David Spence, Justin Ferber and Brad Franklin, publisher of catscorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.